0: into the word of the lord this morning and i want to i want to uh, turn your attention to the book of ephesians what an honor to be able to open the word of god and and preach his word from the book of ephesians the second chapter the book of ephesians the second chapter i do want you to go ahead and be mindful we are excited about a an event coming up in the month of December, the first Sunday night of December. Everybody say December 3rd. Sunday PM, December 3rd. We're going to be uh, enjoying uh, the great ministry of the Indiana Bible College Choir from Indianapolis, Indiana, 50 Voice Choir. They're going to be uh, coming to FAC on Sunday night, December 23rd. We're also going to be having with us Minister Denzel Tubbs uh, from Cincinnati, Greater Emmanuel. It's going to be a great night, and you want to put that on your calendar. Sunday night, uh, December 3rd, it's going to be a wonderful night of Holy Ghost revival and rejoicing. Amen. How many know there are times and moments in in time where God can move upon an individual's life and change something forever? Change something forever. We're believing that to be one of those experiences on December 3rd, Sunday night. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you, he's talking to, to you, he's talking to the Ephesian church, he's talking to the church at large that you were without christ being aliens from the commonwealth of israel strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without god in the world but now in christ jesus you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of christ for he is our peace "...who hath both made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby." "...and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh." "...for through him," not through anybody else or anything else, "...but through him we both," that's Jew and Gentile, "...we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers." I'm going to say that again. Now therefore you are no more strangers. Now therefore you are no more foreigners. But now you are fellow citizens. Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I want to concentrate our attention on that 18th verse of Ephesians chapter 2 for through him we both have access. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject unrestricted access. Unrestricted access. Can we go to the God of our salvation in prayer before we enter his word? Lord we pray for a special anointing. We pray for a special anointing upon this message, upon your messenger. I pray, God, that you'll help your word of God to go forth with clarity. Hallelujah, Lord, with deliberation, with purpose, and with power. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would reach deep into the hearts and the minds of those that have gathered here today and that hear this word. I pray that you would change us. Hallelujah, let the quickening power of the Holy Ghost Move, O oh God, we pray. Move, O oh God, we pray. In the precious name, the matchless name, the almighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we clap our hands one more time unto the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you in the name of the Lord. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I think that we take for granted maybe without meaning to but we take for granted our access to the presence of the Lord. We quote with fondness the scripture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and Bless his name. And we, of course, apply that in so many ways, not the least of which is when we come to church. We enter into these gates with thanksgiving and into these courts with praise. When we walk into this house, the very first thing that we begin to do is offer thanksgiving unto the Lord. We begin to praise his name and magnify his name. We begin to say, thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning. Thank you, Lord, for starting me on my way. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another day to live. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me through the night. And we praise his name. Sometimes we praise his name and don't even know what we're praising for. We just know to praise his name. There's an old song that says, when the praises go up the glory comes down. And this is a a reality for the believer. We know that when we begin to praise the Lord and magnify His name, that there is a reciprocal effect from heaven. That when we praise Him, He pours out blessings. Blessings that we are not able to contain. And so we praise his name. And it isn't long after praising his name that we begin to feel a shift in the atmosphere. There is a little bit of a change that occurs even in a setting like this. Now, folks, if we, that, that shift doesn't occur, if we're just gathered, it occurs when we praise him. If I were up here giving you insurance options... It probably wouldn't have the same atmospheric shift as if I were up here talking about the goodness and the greatness of Jesus the Christ. And so when we are gathered together, we come together to praise the Lord. And as we praise Him, something begins to shift in the atmosphere. A natural illustration of this is perhaps when the vapor ascends from the earth. The vapor goes up from the earth and as that vapor goes up, eventually it's going to turn into condensation and that precipitation is going to come back down to the earth in the form of of rain and the vapor must ascend in order for the rain to descend and this is true of praise and the glory of God. The scripture says that the Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. The Lord had let us know, if you want me, my presence, then you will praise me. And the praises of God translate into the presence of God. Now, even as I say that, it, 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 can, it can almost sometimes land with a, a thud, if you please, because we have become so accustomed to that kind of talk. To that kind of, of description, that kind of explanation. Even when I use the word, the presence of the Lord. We have ceased to understand the magnitude of what it is I'm describing. But I'm talking about the presence. Hallelujah. Think about that word. The presence. Not the absence. The presence of God. The very presence present hallelujah reality of God in our midst he is not down the road from us he is not off somewhere else from us but he is right here among us where two or three are gathered in his name There he, who, he, who, he, the mighty God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. He is with us in the midst of them. He inhabits the praises. Doesn't visit the praises, inhabits the praises. Hallelujah. It's not something even that if you'll do it, he'll show up. He's already there. He lives in your praise. The moment that praise begins to formulate in your mind you are already detecting the presence of the Lord because he is inside of those praises. And somebody said there's power in praise and you don't even necessarily have to know how there's power in praise. You just know there's power in praise. Like turning on the ignition of your automobile. Some of you have gone to school for it. Some of you were raised up around garages where you got to see the mechanics of how turning that key ignites that engine but not everybody understands how that works and so it is that when you turn the key the engine is ignited this is true of the presence of the Lord some folks know how it works they know the process not everybody knows how it works you don't even have to know how it works praise him and he'll be in his presence Hallelujah. His presence is amazing just to say that word. His presence the presence of God hallelujah not not the going to be here soon God not the was here a long time ago God not you just missed him he left five minutes ago God but the presence of the Lord he is in this place he is in us hallelujah above all through all in you all the presence hallelujah of the Lord so we take it for granted we take it for granted. We, we, we take for granted this idea that, that actually we can come forward somebody will actually say if you have a need in your body a need in your life a need in your circumstances why don't you come forward and let the elders of the church pray for you as the scriptures instruct us to do and and we just we do it and we pray to God and sometimes we take for granted the fact that we were able just now to come forward and say lord god of heaven and earth creator of all things that are I bring to you my need. I make my petition known unto you. And we were able to communicate with the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We take that for granted. We take for granted that even right now, the book that I have opened in front of me, declaring the truth of this book, this isn't Shakespeare. Hallelujah. This isn't some kind, this isn't Dr. Seuss. This isn't Shel Silverstein. This isn't some kind of literary work. This, ladies and gentlemen, is spirit and life on printed page. These words pop off the page when you read them with prayer in your spirit. These words are spirit and life. They're different than any other book you've ever opened in your life. And the whole world has come against this book. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to ban it. And they've been unsuccessful because his word is forever settled in the heavens. Hallelujah. I said his word is forever settled in the heavens. And what a privilege to be able to open this Bible and pour through its pages and declare the word that gives life to all take it for granted. We take for granted that even as this word that is preached is, is it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it has the power to break every chain. It has the power to subdue every principality. It has the power to break down every stronghold and to cast down every imagination. Those those destructive imaginations that have warred against your soul. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ will take those lofty imaginations Thoughts that have haunted you all your life and cast them down powerless before you. And we we kind of take that for granted. We take it for granted that when the, when the preaching is finished and, and I make this little statement, you know, uh, these altars are open. It's kind of cliche. We're making an altar call. And that word just flows out of my tongue so easily and, and it just kind of bounces through here. And we, kinda, we know what that means. All that means we can go forward and pray. Now, when we talk about an altar, we're not talking about steps. And the church leading up to a platform. When we talk about an altar, the, the altar I'm talking about isn't even visible up here. It, it, the altar that I'm talking about is one you build. It's one you build before the Lord. It's an altar of consecration. It's an altar of devotion. And you can quite literally come to the front of this place or right where you sit, right where you sit. You can go home and you ought to have one in your house. I'm not talking about even a physical thing. I'm talking about when you kneel down before the Lord and say, God, I come to you with my needs. And Lord, I come to you with my praise. And Lord, I come to you with even my pain. It's an altar that you make that you can talk to god have communion with god and i'm sorry not sorry that's amazing that i can have access to the Almighty God because it hasn't always been that way. Access has not been easy. I, in my flesh, am so far from God. You in your flesh, you're so far from God. My flesh can't even perceive the things of God. The carnal mind is enmity against the Lord. And the Bible says that man sinned in the garden. He disobeyed the Lord. And when he disobeyed the Lord, he brought sin and death into the world God expelled man from the garden of pleasure the garden of Eden real pleasure I'm not talking about fake pleasure See, the enemy will tempt you with fake pleasure and try to draw you into sin. Make sin look appealing when sin is nothing but a sinful snare, a satanic snare. And when you begin to partake in it, he wraps his chain around you. He is the biggest spider you've ever met. And sin is his web. And he pulls you in and wraps you up with that chain and you can't break free from it. That's what he did with Eve. And Adam disobeyed and they were expelled from the garden. for this reason, because they had now fallen, their bodies had fallen, their minds had fallen, their spirit had fallen, they were now condemned in their human flesh, and they were unable to have access to the power and the presence of the Lord. And as they are falling, God said, I got to get them out of this garden because there's another tree in this garden. And the other tree in this garden is the tree of life. They fell when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if they eat of the tree of life in an unregenerated state, in an unredeemed state, then God forbid they would eat of a life that gives forever, life forevermore in a sinful state. And so God removed them from the garden and said you cannot stay in the garden of Eden. And he set an angel at the entrance of the garden with a flaming sword that went every which direction. And man couldn't get back into the garden of Eden if he tried. He, and Listen, he has tried to get back to that place in every imaginable way. And you can try whatever you want to try, but nothing will take you back to that garden of communion with God that garden of dominion in the earth, that garden of power and authority except that you go through Jesus Christ the Righteous There's no pill that can take you there. There's no drug that can take you there. There's no beverage that can take you there. There's no illicit relationship that can take you there. There's no good feeling that can take you there. There's no witchcraft that can take you there. There's no kind of false heresy that can take you there. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He that cometh unto the Father can only get there By me. He said, I am the door to the sheepfold. If somebody climbs up some other way, they're a thief and they're a robber. You've got to come to God by me. You're only one way through to the Garden of Eden, ladies and gentlemen. And it's past that angel. It's past that flaming sword. Somebody is going to have to go through all of the challenges. It's an obstacle. It's such an obstacle. No man is capable of getting back to where God intends him to be man can't go back to where God originally had him because of the fallen nature because of the fallen state and so man is far from God so far from God that he doesn't even recognize the voice of God the voice of his creator the voice of his father he can't even hear his voice and understand his voice and so it is amazing that somebody as imperfect as me is able to stand here today and lift up holy hands and praise the name of my God. That's amazing. It's amazing, hallelujah, that the Lord would fill me with his Holy Spirit. It's amazing that I can stand in his, listen, his glory and magnify his name. That's amazing, and I better never grow to take it for granted. I better never get to the point where it's, oh, it's just what I do on Sunday. No, sir, no, ma'am. God forbid, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Never fail to open up your mouth and say, Lord, I praise you for what you've done for me. I praise you for giving me entrance to new life. You see, God always wanted to bring man back to the garden, but it had to happen the right way. Man couldn't just go back through his own willpower, through his own determination, because man was fallen. Did you know man was fallen? Did you know all mankind is fallen? If you didn't know that, look at the person next to you. Better yet, look at the guy up here in front of you holding a microphone. All mankind is fallen. Nobody is perfect. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And and there's only one way to bring people back. And that is through the Messiah of God. The anointed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Who would be the way for all mankind to enter and find salvation. And so God said, I'm looking for somebody that I can raise up as an example to the world. Because now there are nations of the earth. And people have promulgated and and propagated and and procreated. And and so God said, I'm going to find somebody. And he went looking for somebody who would do two two things. Believe him and obey him. Believe him and obey him. I said, believe him and obey him. Hallelujah. Believe him and obey him. And he looked for a man, found a man. This man's name was Abram when God met him. Hallelujah, when he met God, I should say. But when God got done with him, his name was Abraham. He went from being high father... The father of many nations and God said I'm going to change your name. He said I want you to leave your father's house. Leave your father's kindred. Go look for a city that hath foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. A city that I have prepared for you and your descendants. And Abraham said yes Lord. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. He went looking for what God had promised him. And God opened up the windows of heaven poured out blessings upon this man named Abraham said because you have believed me I will count it unto you for righteousness because you have obeyed me I will count it unto you for righteousness Abraham began to experience something nobody had ever experienced the Bible says that he became the friend of God I want you to know the blessing of the Lord came upon him in a mighty way. He said, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. Your seed will be as the stars in the heavens and as the sands of the sea innumerable. I will bless you. And God never went back on that. God has blessed Abraham. He has blessed Abraham's son. Blessed Abraham. His sons, sons, he blessed his sons, 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 and daughters. And throughout the world, the blessing of the Lord is still upon the children of Israel because of Abraham's connection to God. Abraham gained something with God that no other man had. What was it? He gained access access now it was it was limited access because man was Abraham was not in a place where he could experience the fullness and the totality of God you see God wasn't being mean by saying no you can't you can't come into my presence it was a fact if man were to enter into the presence of God in an unregenerated state he would be consumed immediately in his sins because of the sheer glory of God we see this in the life of Moses when Moses begged God show me your glory and the Lord said Moses you don't know how bad I want to show you my glory but if I just Just show you my glory in your unregenerated state. This will be the last breath you breathe on this earth. So I can't show you my glory like I desire. So you're going to have to You're going to have to let me unfold it to you in a way that you can receive it. So God said, Abraham, I through you will bless all the nations of the earth. Everybody is going to be blessed because of your relationship with me. Because you are my friend. I'm giving you access into some of what Adam lost. I'm giving you access to being able to talk with me. Walk with me. Be blessed by me. Hallelujah. And don't you know that God raised up Israel to be the way that the whole world could find God? In fact, when John the Revelator looked in the book of Revelation through a vision at the city of the new Jerusalem the scripture says that there were 12 gates around that city and upon those 12 gates hallelujah were the names of the 12 tribes of Israel it is through Israel that all of the earth can enter the new Jerusalem God said Abraham I need to raise you up so I can show the earth what it looks like for the blessing of the Lord to be upon a man to be Upon his family, to be upon his household, I will fight for you, I will go with you and before you. Hallelujah! This is why, over and over again, God would allow Israel to come in contact with heathen nations and show himself powerful. Don't you know that's why he let the three Hebrew children be cast into a fiery furnace? It was was all a part of God's plan so that Nebuchadnezzar could look inside the furnace and say, I thought I threw three in the fire. Now I see a fourth man in the fire. Why is there a fourth man in the fire? He can only be the son of God. When they came out of that fiery furnace, hallelujah, unscathed without even the scent of smoke on them. You know what Nebuchadnezzar did? He glorified the God of Israel. God never wanted to destroy Pharaoh. God wanted to save Pharaoh. God wanted Pharaoh to look out over his blessing upon his people and understand who the true and living God of all the earth really is. So God raised Israel up, but even Israel only had limited access because of their fallen nature. So they they had, for instance, there were so many mysteries surrounding the, the nature of God. So they, they had a tabernacle. And in this tabernacle, God said, I can, I, can, I can show my glory inside this tabernacle. But it has to happen in a way that man can understand it and receive it. I can't just, I can't just show up and say, hey, everybody. Because everybody would be consumed by my glory and by my power. So I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to he gave them the specific instruments, the specific furnishings inside the tabernacle. He said, I want you to cover the inner court with this badge of skin. Cover it up. Cover up what's in the inner court. And then I want you to cover up the most holy place. And folks, I'm going to tell you when that high priest would walk in, see what God was teaching them is that the only individual that can access the glory of God is going to be a high priest who is clean and pure and holy. He was actually referring to when he himself would come into the earth and go for all of us and take all of our sins into the holy place and do what we weren't able to do hallelujah so he said i want you to raise up from the lineage of levi aaron the priests and the priests of the lord and those priests would go into that holy place and then into the most holy place they would go past the one veil and and then and then it was relegated to only one being able to go past the second veil and the cleanliness involved None of us would have been able to be a high priest. I'm disqualified right out of the gate. You couldn't have any blemish on your body and be a priest of the Lord in the Levitical priesthood. Well, that cancels me out. Tough luck for me tough luck for just about anybody that you and I know. God selected a special person to go through, be anointed of the Lord. He had to be clean. He had to go through so many cleansing procedures. Had to go through so many monotonous, detailed, meticulous cleansing procedures in order to go into the most holy place once a year and bring the sins of the people before God. And they wouldn't go in without blood no no don't you go into that place without blood one wrong step and he could be killed one wrong step and he could die on the spot he was walking carefully into the presence of the Lord and the glory of God would fall and he would experience that presence of the Lord in a way that nobody else was able to experience it was limited limited Access the presence of the Lord wasn't something just anybody could have, anybody could experience. It was, it was, it was relegated, it was delegated to one individual within Israel who would go on behalf of all the people. So many mysteries surrounding the presence of the Lord. Anybody remember Mr. Spock or Dr. Spock, whatever his name was, Mr. Spock, I think, from Star Trek. We got any Trekkies in the house this. Yeah. And Mr. Spock, am I saying that right? Mr. Spock. Mr. here we go. Mr. Spock. I couldn't tell if it was Dr. Spock or Mr. I didn't want to offend anybody this morning. <laughs> he was a Jewish man, Leonard Nimoy. And and of course he had made famous the Vulcan salute. Live long and prosper, yeah, we'll try. I'm not very ambidextrous, but it was Live long and prosper. Ambidextrous. Yeah, Just can't move my fingers very good, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and 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 he he came up with this. They, people ask him all the time, "Where did you come up with this?" this Vulcan uh, salute, live long and prosper. and Because it became a sensation across America. It, the, the, just a, a little, a day or two after it aired, he'd walk out onto the street and people would come up to him and they'd, they'd give him the salute, live long and prosper, And, and he would, he, he just was amazing to him how fast it took hold. And now it, people do it all over. Leonard Nimoy's, passed on, and people are still giving each other the Vulcan salute, and it just was a sensation across America, and they kept asking him, where did you get it, where did you get it? He said, I was in screening and and going through the script, and, and he said, you know, we're trying to create this whole mystical thing about about the, uh, wherever Mr. Spock was from. And, and he said, you know, if we're going to make this really sensational, then we need to have some kind of a salute. You know, uh, human beings have a way of greeting one another. They shake hands, or they nod their head, or some of them bow. And he said, it's just normal, so why don't we give the Vulcans a way to salute? They said, well, okay. They said, uh, what do you have any idea of what that could be? He said, I do have an idea of what that could be. And he told them what he thinks it should be, and he gave them the Vulcan salute. They decided they'd go with it. They aired it, and it was a big hit. So they asked him, where did that even come from? He said, it came from when I was a little boy in synagogue. And he said that while we were in synagogue, they they would cover themselves with the talid, and the rabbis would be in front of the congregation. and, And his dad said to him, all right, son, close your eyes and bow your head. And they closed their eyes and they bowed their head and they were not to open their eyes because what was getting ready to happen was so, so deep and was so mystical, if you please, that, 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 that it was so mysterious that if they opened their eyes, they were afraid they could die. They could even be fatal. Great harm could come because what they were getting ready to do was they were going to, with their hands, pronounce the name of God. The Vulcan salute is actually the Hebrew word shin, which is the name of God. We see it in the name Shaddai, Shammah, Shammah is it, it has the, the first part of Shema is that Hebrew word shin. The first word of Shaddai is the Hebrew word shin. It's where we get the word Shekinah or Shekinah. And it refers to the very presence of the Lord. And so a young Leonard Nimoy was bowing his head as a as a little kid and all of a sudden this chanting began in the synagogue and the rabbis began to chant. He said it was dissonant. It, it, it was not in accordance with one another. It was, it was they called it, them, not even just, they called them, they were singers. He said they were called shouters. And they began to shout these these, these words in Hebrew. And he said there was this, this feeling that came over the whole congregation when they began to do it. And he, he lifted up his eyes as a little boy even though his dad said, don't do it. Don't open your eyes and look. But he couldn't help it. He said, I gotta see what's going on. And he opened up his eyes and looked and all of those rabbis had their heads covered with the talid and they were holding up what later America called the Vulcan salute, but it's not the Vulcan salute. It's the Hebrew word Shin for Shekinah Shaddai Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad it's where we get the word El Shaddai it is the very presence of the Lord but they were thinking in terms of an Old Testament where you don't say it you don't look at it you can make the gesture with your hand but don't let your eye fall on it because they were living in a time of limited access Where only one person could go in and they had to meet all these requirements and they had to meet all of these standards Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. There's a reason why we praise Jesus. There's a reason why we worship Jesus Let me let me just let me just tell you remember I said that the high priest would go in past the first veil, and he would begin to take of the showbread, and he would offer incense, and he would do this daily, but but then there was one time a year where he would pass the second veil, and that second veil that he would pass was the most holy place. This first veil led him into the holy place, but when he would go through the second veil, he would come into the most holy place. He would come into the holy of holies. Hallelujah, and, and that when Jesus came to the old rugged cross he didn't come as just a sage of his age or a great rabbi or a great teacher they called him master rabbi but he was more than a master rabbi some called him rabboni but he was more than a rabboni some called him lord but they didn't even realize what they were calling him and how true that it was when he came to that old Old rugged cross he came as the spotless lamb the real spotless lamb that that high priest would bring hallelujah to the tabernacle when he went to Calvary he went as the bullock the real bullock that the high priest would bring to the tabernacle when he went to Calvary he went as the scapegoat the real scapegoat that the high priest of the Old Testament would lay all of the sins of the people upon and lead it out into the wilderness to die. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was dumb before his shearers like a sheep. Hallelujah. When he went to that cross, he went as the real high priest. He wasn't just one of the Levites. He wasn't just the designated high priest of the bunch. He went as the one who really was pure. Didn't just go through a purification process to symbolize something coming in the future. But he came as the substance of the symbol. Hallelujah, when he went to that cross, hallelujah, he became the substitute for my sin. He became the substitute for your sin. The thing that gave me limited access, as a matter of fact, didn't give me limited access, gave me no access, gave Israel limited access, gave me no access. He became those things that separated me from the glory of God. And what did they do with those things? They put a nail through my sin. They put stripes upon my sin hallelujah they put a spear in the side of my sin see he became the sin so did you know that your sin is going to bring punishment from God God is going to punish all sin you can criticize me for saying that doesn't matter the world is waking up and realizing how bad sin is if you haven't noticed we've been preaching moral purity for decades and the world has mocked us for preaching moral purity but now they're waking up and saying my word Moral impurity is destroying a whole whole uh, generation, and we need somebody to practice some moral purity they They grope in the darkness for it they don 't even know what it is that they 're looking for but i 've come to tell you every sin you 've ever committed, Jesus took the penalty for that sin <clears throat> what 's amazing is. That when he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, esteemed, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, and he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and he was nailed to an old rugged cross, and the Bible says that he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." The Bible says that he said, "I thirst." The Bible says that he said, "Woman, behold thy son," and, 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 and "Son, behold thy mother." The Bible says that he gave up the ghost and cried it is finished and when he gave up the ghost folks at that very moment that second veil in the temple from the top to the bottom was rent wide open do you know what that means that means Aaron isn't the only one that can go into the presence of God now do you know what that means That means it doesn't matter how clean or how unclean. Yo, I'm going to tell you something. This is what gets me all messed up. See, I come to church in my Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. Look, I got a suit on, a tie. I buttoned my coat. I did everything I could to to be decent and normal. And I was just going to talk real nice and fancy to you. And then I started, I made the mistake of talking about Jesus. I made the mistake of thinking about the goodness of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because there's a praise inside of me that I can't contain. I said there's a praise inside of me that I can't contain. And I'm going to tell you something. If you become a master of pushing that praise down, maybe it's because you don't know what Jesus did for you. Because when you understand what he did for you, you can't help but praise him. You can't help but lift him up. You can't help but magnify his name. you got to understand something. This Bible is so precious, but it used to be so limited in access that people just could not. They didn't just have Bibles laying around the house. you got five of them that haven't been cracked in how long? you got a Bible app? That's good. And by the time you get done with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Gmail, you don't have time to look at the Bible app. But the scribes When they penned this Bible, they didn't write it under the inspiration of themselves. They didn't write with the help or assistance of a muse. No sir, no ma'am, they didn't wait for the muse to show up and give, you know what, half the stuff that is is offered as art or or inspired literature is, is given as inspiration from a human being, inspiration that came from a heartbreak, inspiration that came from a human experience or human condition. But what I'm preaching to you from did not come from the inspiration of a human experience. It came from the heart of God Almighty. (laughs) Hallelujah. Those scribes, ladies and gentlemen, who who penned this word of God, they they would wash themselves before they would begin to Print this word of God. They knew the Old Testament from memory, but they could write no word from what they remembered. They had to read every word and had to read it aloud. And there was another scribe watching them while they wrote, and they would check the word before they wrote it, read it, wrote it. They would read it aloud while the scribe watched them read it and read it aloud. They would mark it down and then they would go back to the original word. read it aloud again and make sure that what they had written was what they had read it was a painstaking process it was a process that was time consuming is an understatement to describe this process and when they came in the scriptures to a portion that actually named the name of God where they would say that word Yahweh they would have to wash the pen they had been using before they could pin that name and they would get up and wash themselves completely in a bath of natural running water and they would come back to the table and take this Clean pen with a clean body and write the name of God. And here we are. We have the opportunity to be baptized in that name. Some will, some won't. We have the opportunity to lift high and praise that name. Some will, some won't. We have the opportunity to run into that name that is a strong tower. Some people want to use it in vain. Some people want to throw it out as an expletive or an exclamation of how angry they are, how frustrated they are. Oh, it's a holy name. It's a name that all of hell bows in reverence to. It's a name that demons run and scatter from. It's a name that has power over every sickness. It's a name that has power over every sin. It's a name that has power in the name. Oh, my God. I feel like preaching it in the name of Jesus Hallelujah. 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 hallelujah God progressively taught his people his name because they were fallen and couldn't take it all in at once but but, that God would share his name progressively he said my name Jehovah Jireh the Lord is our provider Jehovah hallelujah rohi the Lord is our shepherd Jehovah rophe the Lord is our healer Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present Jehovah Shalom the Lord is our peace jehovah Mekadesh. the lord is our covering jehovah sin the lord is our righteousness jehovah nissi the lord is our banner jehovah Mekadesh. the lord is our sanctification Woo. and then he told mary Blessed art thou and highly favored among women, you shall call his name Jehovah. You know, Jireh Shema, Shalom, Nisai, Mekadesh, Sitkanu. Hallelujah, Rohai, Rophe. You shall call his name Jehovah, is our salvation, Hallelujah. Which means he's all these things our banner, our provider, our covering, Hallelujah, our peace, the very present God he's all of these things wrapped up into one name jehovah ashua or yeshua jesus jesus you shall call his name jesus for he shall save his people from their sins Uh, woo, hallelujah. I said he shall save his people from their sins I can't get back to the garden by myself I come up to the garden of Eden and I look at the flaming sword and I don't know how to get around that thing I can try to go this way but there's a, but the, but there's a blade of the sword coming this way I try to go that way, but there's a flame of the sword coming this way. I don't know how to get around that flaming sword. My flesh doesn't know how to get around the angel with the flaming sword. But when Jesus, when Jesus stepped down into this earth, he began to walk through that flaming sword like a champion. He moved past every blade, he ducked every flame of fire every jot, every tittle there was no stone unturned there was nothing, he was flawless, he was perfect he went once into the holy place for me Listen. God, forgive me if I've ever been self-righteous, and I know I have. God, forgive me for every time I look down on somebody who I didn't consider to be holy like me. Because I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It has nothing to do with me. That I can be in the presence of God today. I'm going to tell you, I can bring whatever junk, whatever garbage, whatever baggage... I can come boldly, you know, boldly, boldly into the throne of grace. Hallelujah. It's unrestricted access. Brother Tim Rutledge was preaching for us one time, good friend. He said, Brother Joel, he said, listen, um, I have a friend who's going to be in Cincinnati while I'm there. I'd like for you to meet him like for him to meet you I said sure no problem he said do you mind if I set that up I said that'd be great so he called his friend there in my company said hey Tim it's Tim it was Tim McGraw now I know we got some tracky I don't know how many country music folks we got in. <laughs> Tim McGraw A-list country music sensation. Grew up with Tim Rutledge. Best friends since they were kids. And he was in Cincinnati while Brother Rutledge was here, and he said, I want you to meet him. I said, okay, so we went to meet him. Now, you got to understand, this guy, worth, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's he's traveling the, the world, He's got layers and layers and layers and layers of security. To get past those, that security, you have to have a, a clearance that very, very precious few have. So Tim takes me down to meet Mr. McGraw, and we get down there, and we pull up, and he says to a security personnel, my name is Tim Rutledge, and the security personnel says, oh, yes, we've been waiting for you. They go get a badge with lanyard and give it to him. And he said, I need one for my friend. That's me. I don't know Tim McGraw. I never met Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw owes me nothing. But I got a pass like Tim Rutledge had because I knew Tim who knew Tim. So if y'all want to shake the hand of the man... Who shook the hand of the man who knows Tim McGraw? I'll stand back there. You'd be happy to do that. I don't know. I don't know Tim McGraw. He doesn't know me. And I've got a pass, folks. Unrestricted access. We're, we're overeating all kinds of stuff at the buffet, and, and I'm just. just kind of relaxing and walking around and people looking at my pass and they think I'm something special. <laughs> and they think, well, who's this guy? Because he's got a pass. Folks, I, I'm talking about, I, we actually ended up spending quite a bit of time with Chris Collinsworth, uh, former wide receiver of the Cincinnati Bengals, who was also there to meet Mr. McGraw, talk with Mr. McGraw. And he, I think he knew him already, of course. And, uh, and so we spent quite a bit of time. A tremendous guy. Tremendous uh, a man and his wife and their family and we had to spend some time with them and at one point we went through this one particular area and the clearance that we needed I had it and Chris Collinsworth didn't have it it was a strange feeling when the security personnel said yes you can come on through and I go walking through and they look at Chris Collinsworth and say we're sorry sir you don't have the right path I had to say look I'm the man who knows the man who knows Tim McGraw and I'm going to vouch for this guy he's on sunday night football or whatever you can let him in he's all right he played for the bingles he's all right let him through and and so it was it was it was something because when i got back there to talk to mr mcgraw he he just he just says you know what he said i'm so glad to meet you any friend of tim rutledge is a friend of mine he said you don't understand how much i owe to this man and to his family he said he and his family would bring me to their house and we would and we would sing they took me traveling with them sing and right there Tim McGraw just opened up and said see the bright light shine sound a little better than what i'm doing but <laughs> it's just about home time i can see my father standing at the door see i might need to start myself a little career here this is kind of kind of working out all right You never know what will happen when you get anointed. You might just soar to the top of the charts. It was an interesting experience hearing Tim McGraw sing an old quartet song. But I had unrestricted access. Can I tell you that Israel has limited access? Because of Abraham's relationship with God. Did you know Israel got some benefits because of Moses' relationship with God? Israel got a hold of some benefits because of Samuel's relationship with God. But I'm going to tell you something. I've got an access not even natural Israel has. Because my connection isn't to Samuel, Moses, Abraham, or Chris Collinsworth. My connection is through Jesus Christ. who suffered, bled, and died for me. He went once into the holy place. Hallelujah. I know you walking around. Sometimes we get a little distant from prayer. We get a little separated from worship. We get a little separated from the presence of the Lord. And we walk around with our unrestricted VIP pass like we're really something. Like people ought to look on us and think we're something special. I'm only here because I'm the friend of the man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm only here because of the one who saved my soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. See, when that high priest would walk into the most holy place, and I'm coming to a conclusion, our musicians can come. When that high priest would walk into that most holy place, he would would step into that area, and there would be the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God. And this Ark of the Covenant had in the middle of it what's called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. You know what we take for granted? Mercy. I'm going to say that again. You know what we take for granted? Mercy. My God, if it wasn't for mercy, we'd all be dead and in hell right now if it wasn't for mercy. Hallelujah. That high priest would walk in fearing for his life as clean as he could get. And he'd look at that most holy place. And there's this Ark of the Covenant. On this end is a, a cherubim, an angel. It's made of solid gold. And that cherub made of solid gold is, has its wings made of solid gold stretched out looking at mercy. On the other end, so at the head of, head of the Ark of the Covenant, at the head of mercy, is an angel stretched out with his wings unfolded. At the foot of mercy is another angel with his wings unfolded, and their wings are touching, and their eyes are looking at the mercy seat. This was very important because nobody, and I mean nobody, was qualified to touch mercy. The famous story of the scriptures... Infamous story of a man by the name of Yuza who saw the ark of God trembling upon the shoulders of the oxen and he reached out his hand to touch the ark of God and the protection of those angels came into motion and he was smitten dead right there on the spot because man is too fallen, man is too corrupt, man is too carnal. He can't touch the holy things of God. It was, so, it was so frightening that David, David said, I don't even want that thing. You go take it to Obed-Edom's house and let him take care of it. He's, he's a good man. Surely he won't die. I, I, I No, get that thing away from me. Moses looked up at the mountain and said, I exceedingly fear and quake. It was a terrifying thing to come into the presence of God. And those angels were positioned for protection of the most sacred tenets of God's mercy. But when Jesus died, when Jesus died, the veil was rent in that temple, revealing that holy place. They took Jesus' body, they buried him in a borrowed tomb. Three days and three nights passed, and Jesus rose from the dead. When word got to John that Jesus had risen from the dead, John and Peter both ran headlong to the tomb. And when John got down to the tomb, the scripture says he stooped down and looked in. And sure enough, there were two angels. Remember at the holy place, two angels with their wings outstretched looking at mercy, head to foot. But when John looks in and sees those angels, they're not standing at attention, they don't have their wings unfolded, they're not on guard. In fact, they're just sitting down chatting. John said, What's going on here, fellas? They said, Why well, seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen and is alive forevermore. You want to know why those angels were sitting down? They were sitting down because their job was done. They didn't have to guard mercy anymore. Mercy wasn't restricted any longer. It wasn't just for authorized personnel only. It's unrestricted access. Whosoever will, let him go. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your family is. Come, 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 come into his presence. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. know what I think you ought to do right now I think you ought to praise him like he died for your sins I think you ought to praise him like he rose from the dead I think you ought to praise him like he went to hell so you wouldn't have to and came victorious out of death, hell, and the grave Come on, I think you ought to praise Him like you'll break the chains. I said praise Him like you'll break the chains. Praise Him like you'll shatter the chains. <laughs> like the Lord in all the earth. Matchless love Hold on, Somebody come right now, somebody come right now it's unrestricted access come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden.